turn with me over to Mark chapter 4 for a moment for the next little while that I'm with you anyways. We're going to spend some serious time discovering what Jesus was talking to us about. So let's start reading here in verse 26. And he said to them, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should grow, uh, spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Do I have little pensies for this uh, chart thing of mine? May I have a cool color? Ooh, teal, love it. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't need that many because I just get myself confused. And so that, what we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to talk about chaos and how chaos uh, surrounds us in our lives. Our modern-day humanity are surrounded by chaos, almost like we would say chaos is normal. You know, it's just life is chaos. You know, it's constantly things happening all around us. It becomes a great challenge to us as uh, human beings when we come into the kingdom, we begin to understand things in the kingdom, and it doesn't seem to align itself. Can you turn me down a wee bit? It doesn't seem to align itself with uh, the experience that we have in life, particularly if you came in and learned the principles of the kingdom, and now up a bit, the principles of the kingdom, and I'm the sound guy tonight as well. I said, I should say, Caleb, hello, Caleb, wherever you are. Don't skip church anymore. Um, where was I? And the principles of the kingdom, uh, they become part of my natural life. When I look around and I see, particularly if we came into the kingdom, and it's, it's not really clear what Jesus was talking about. Typically, what happens to us is that we come into the kingdom because there's chaos going on in our lives. And uh, we've just kind of come to the bottom of the, of the, of the you know, the, we're at the bottom of the barrel, and we're just, this, just ready to turn it all over and say, okay, God, I've had enough. I'm going to try and come to you and try to get rid of some of this chaos. And... Uh, we kind of come into the kingdom and we start serving God. Uh, not that that's going on in any of your lives, that it's a very selfish thing, but most people find God in selfish moments. They're just, they're just needing God desperately to do something for them. You know, it's kind of like your dentist. You know, nobody goes to the dentist unless you've got a toothache. You know, if you do go to the dentist, with, if you don't have a toothache, you know, I'll pray for you. Uh, it's just not something people do. And uh, same thing with coming to God. Typically, we come to God because we need somebody to fix the chaos that's going on in our lives. And uh, we get told a lot of these things about serving God. And if you serve God, then the chaos will disappear from your life. And uh, we start looking around after a while. If this hasn't already dawned on you, I apologize for bursting your bubble here tonight. But even if you've been here only for a few weeks, you will notice that good things happen to bad people. Uh, in the contrary message, uh, bad things happen uh, to good people. And you probably have noticed that there is a disconnect in the do good, get good, do bad, get bad, when you see people doing good, getting bad, and doing bad and do getting good. And so there's a, a necessary place in every Christian's life when we recognize that the, the process by which chaos happens isn't the process that everybody told you it was. A lot of times what happens to us is that when we understand the, 
universal principle. Do you remember that from last time we were together, last Wednesday night? <clears throat> Does anybody remember what the universal principle is? Anybody say it louder? Seed time and harvest. As long as seed, yes, but here you're saying the kingdom of God. There's only two references in the Bible that say the kingdom of God is. I mean, it's a bunch of them that they say it's near, it's full of children, it's coming, it's here, it's inside you. Yes, all of those things, but doesn't tell us anything about them, about the way the kingdom works. The only reference in the Bible about how the kingdom works is this one and the one following the very next verses talking about the kingdom of God is likened unto a seed that is sown into the ground and it grows up and knoweth, we, know it not, we knoweth not how, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, it brings forth fruit of itself. That is the, one of the only references in the Bible that talks about the kingdom of God, which as you remember is the ultimate kingdom. It is where God lives. It is the huge kingdom in which God inhabits. Then there's the kingdom of heaven, which is where we will inhabit and then there's the kingdom of man, which is the place that we live right now. But the universal principle, what, the, what Jesus is telling us here is that everything in all of creation, in every dimension, functions according to this singular principle. And that is that uh, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever a person sows, whatever a tree sows, whatever a cow sows, whatever an angel sows, whatever, uh, whatever anything sows, that shall it also reap. Whatever God sows, that shall he also reap. So it is, it is a, such a universal principle that everything in every dimension, should there be a thousand dimensions that God in his time off has been creating in all of these bazillion years that he's been around, every one of those dimensions still works according to the principle that is being expressed here by, by Jesus saying, it all works according to the seed time and harvest principle. And so then, when we are experiencing any degree of chaos, now let's just, let me just draw down what that, I'll change colors here just to make it exciting. What that talks about then is that there is a process that goes from here, a seed, over to here, a harvest. And that our job is to sow seed, clearly in that scripture, and our job is to harvest. Our job is not this inside section right here. What's important about that is that seed time is an event. Harvest time is an event. This part is a process. Now you see that from Jesus's description here of how this whole thing works. Most of what we've learned to do in our culture, the way our world is, is that we are experiencing, because the seeds that we have been sowing haven't necessarily been the right seeds, yeah. right? If you're looking at it financially, a stinginess leads to poverty, which doesn't make sense because it should be that he who cans all he gets should have a lot left in the can. Yeah. That's how it should work. Mathematically, we would say that's how it goes. And so the whole world is out there telling you, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. But the whole world is full of poverty and stinginess and shortage. That the people who are generous, and you'll notice this about, you know, the, you know I can't say it specifically because there's lots of reasons why people can get rich by being stingy, but it typically isn't a good way to do it. But 
when we are sowing the wrong seeds, we're taught that there is such a thing as lack, and then we learn that it's better to be stingy so that I have something left for tomorrow, then we're sowing a lot of these negative seeds into the process. Then what happens is this process, if you look at it, if we watch the process in a negative way, when we sow seeds of lack, and so we say things like, well, there'll never be enough. You know, money doesn't grow on trees, does it? I remember my mother used to say that all the time. I almost one time said, well, it is made of paper, but thankfully... I'm standing here today because I had the power to bite my own tongue. If you may have ever met my mother, she's gone to be in heaven right now, but she was one tough lady. And so uh, if we sow those seeds of lack, and so we are doing things, we're thinking lack thoughts. Most people that I have ever met, every decision that they ever make uh, always has to go through the gateway of how's it going to affect me financially. And so when you have that, not that it's not that you shouldn't consider things financial, but you shouldn't consider things negatively in a financial way. And so then they think about them, and they experience the emotions of them, and then they say them, and then they do things. So that all of that process of seed sowing, we can see evidence as we'll get to it in short order. We'll talk about all the different kinds of seeds that the Bible talks about, but I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir when I tell you that the thoughts that you think, the emotions that you feel, the words that you say, and the deeds that you do are all seeds. So when we sow those seeds and we, go and we allow them to step into the process, then the process starts developing as the blade of lack, the ear of lack, and then the full corn begins to develop through the process. And then we start experiencing a harvest of lack because that's what the Bible says happens because we sowed it. And so we sort of have this automatic process working in our lives all the time where we used to experience, uh, where we, 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 where we uh, have experienced lack. And because we experience lack as a two-year-old, we come back in and we sow it again and we sow it again and we sow it again. And if you can watch what that would look like down the road, we would call that chaos. It doesn't, it, chaos is almost like, you know, trouble is one thing. Chaos is a totally different. It's kind of even, I love the word because it definitely does a good job of describing what happens when the explosive nature of this cycle after cycle after cycle after a while gets out of control. And it seems to you, it seems to every human being, certainly in our day, it seems to us that these things, chaos, is happening to us without any of our input whatsoever. That it just keeps happening to us. And we can't, we would say, others would say, we can't stop it. The problem is not recognizing that chaos is in fact not, it doesn't have any power. It is not something, uh, an entity unto itself. It doesn't have the ability to be created just because it's got the power to choose to do so or not. That doesn't exist, right? The Bible tells us in the Old Testament that the curse causeless cannot come. The curse just doesn't have the power to happen in somebody's life. It has to be decided upon, has to be chosen. And so when we are looking here <clears throat> at this exact same process, we recognize because we have experienced it on the downside, 
we have the same opportunity to experience it on the upside. And so we have then, if you choose to, to live a life of abundance. Now, remember, a lot of people mistake what it means to live in abundance. Most people think that you live in abundance when you have you know, a million dollars worth of gold bricks in your basement. Now I will be in abundance. That's not what abundance is. Matter of fact, when Jesus walked around, he didn't even have a visa card. I know that's shocking. You know, it's like, whoa, dude, how'd you do that? He had abundance everywhere he went. Jesus never lacked for anything, not because he was trailing behind him a tractor load of goods. That's very important for us to understand. A lot of people have a dollar value on what it means to live in abundance. I have one in my mouth. Thank you. I just have to suck it and swallow. So abundance then is, starts off if we can say it. Now, this, this does change, but you, abundance, let's say, is I always have more than enough. Now, more than enough is a great, a great confession to make simply because no matter at what stage you are, no matter what responsibilities you are, no matter what influence you have or what system you have to maintain, the, the confession that says, I always have more than enough is a great confession. I'm not saying don't put a number on it or don't kind of give it some, some other way of expressing it, but no matter where one would start out in the process, saying continually, uh, thinking continually, feeling continually, doing continually, as if you always have more than enough is a great way to begin the process, okay? And now it does, I know that hope is very specific, but there is a specificness to there always being more than enough, yeah. that you can do battle with that concept whenever you're fighting against some of this chaos. And so you can see, if we get that, then the process is allowed to go on its own, the, the, you know, just letting it do its work. Then, just as the lack was a, uh, almost like an effortless harvest to you, we experience the same thing here with abundance. And the flow starts to happen in your life. And they're just because you are aligning yourself with the universal principle and you are allowing the universal principle the time it takes in order to do the first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Remember, it's not by faith that we inherit the promises. Did you know that? It's by faith in how? By faith in patience. Perseverance is actually a better word. Patience sounds like I sit on the couch and eat bonbons. You don't. Through this process, then, there is a reality which we're going to get to. There are, we do have responsibilities here in the middle, and those are mostly thanksgiving that, that we do in the middle. The problem that we run into is that we don't, that's not what we do as human beings. What we do is, is we've completely forgotten about the universal principle, and so we completely deny the fact that the seeds that I'm sowing are producing the life that I'm living. So we're, even if you try, you know, go try to be a pastor and go tell just one person when they come to you with their problem, it says, I understand you have this problem, but it's your fault. <laughs> I just give you, I'll give you a pastorship 101, don't do that. At least not unless you have a really good relationship and you know the person's reach. So you can keep yourself out of their swing zone. Because <laughs> nobody wants to accept the fact that this is the truth. 
and that the universal principle is is in is in motion in everybody's life all the time the more quickly we humble ourselves and recognize that believe me you will stop complaining about everything in your life when you actually realize that there's three fingers pointing back for every one you're pointing forward Matter of fact, it goes like this. There's really no point in pointing forward because it's nothing to do with anything else other than the universal principle that you have ignited, but perhaps not through an understanding of what it was going to do. And so we recognize then that when we are going through this process, I have a responsibility to sow seed. The one, the, now, remember that Corinthians says, what you want more of, you sow. Yes. What you want less of, you don't sow. And so it's almost like we get to sculpt our own world by, you know, I don't want to sow hate, but I do want to sow love. So I'm careful not to sow hate, and I'm careful to sow love. Because the the important thing about it, you know, I don't know if you've ever, uh, you know, I planted the, the, the grass that's in my home. I planted it when we built our house, and I was very careful with the seed that was sown in my yard. I knew that every seed was going to come up. So one dandelion seed was bad. Not 50 is, 50 is bad too, but one is bad. That's what we have to recognize in our lives is that it's not like, well, you know, I'm just going to be super selfish because I just need a me day, okay? Well, if I do take a me day, which is totally fine, take a me day if you want, but understand your me day counts just like your other's day counts also. And so when we do that, we're, at, we're using that day. I just, you know what, I'm, I'm not normally afraid, but it's just this whole spider thing that, no, when we sow the seed, we're sowing a seed. And we're going to harvest on every fear, on every dread, on every selfishness that is going on. That's why we don't let the little things stick around. You deal with the little things when you see the little things. Because what God wants to do is God wants to, I remember when Pastor Tina first started seeing spiritual things and she realized discerning of spirits isn't just discerning of good spirits. So you got to be ready. You got to have your, your fear factor, your fear meter, fear repeller pretty high to see that stuff. And so God knew that he was bringing her through into that realm. So he knew she had to stop some of those things that we learned when we were children. We weren't doing this when we were children. And so the reason that God wants, shows you, ex, lets you experience the fear that you experience now is he wants, you to re, he wants your heart to be revealed to you so that you could fix it. Because he wants to take you up to another level. You think it's, you know, you think it's hard to manage, ba- balance your budget. Imagine if God said, I want you to run to be the president of the United States. Not that the job's open for a few years. That's a whole different level of being able to handle the pressure on financial things, right? And so you are, when God is bringing you up to that particular level, he's doing that by preparing you on the bottom. He wants us to learn this universal principle and use it as in a real way when it comes to how is my life actually being lived? Is it evidenced that I am you know, doing things in a way that recognizes I, I am always going to be living in this process. Always. Now we recognize, okay, if we take the mathematics of what chaos is, 
Chaos is just the cycle or the cyclone that happens year after year and generation after generation since Adam and Eve were here. Okay, so chaos is simply using the wrong seeds in our lives. And so once deception started to happen inside of a human being, or let's say it like this, when the kingdom, when God originally created the earth and all creation that we know, it was completely in order. That's an important factor. It's completely in order because human beings operated like animals operate in our world. We didn't have really the choice to choose something other than what God said because the only voice we heard was God's. We didn't hear another voice. So we have God creating creation and then God creating man and telling man how to function, showing man, telling man, explaining to mankind how to function inside of his creation. When he shows us how to function in there, we don't have the thought, oh, I'm gonna, I think what I'll do is do it differently. That thought never dawned on Adam and Eve until they were given that thought by the devil, the serpent in the, in the, in the garden. What happened in the garden then was that this perfect place of order, everything working exactly the way it was supposed to work, now we have the injection of deception or we do it wrong. So whatever wrong is, we call that, you know, the New Testament or the Bible way of saying that is the word sin, but sin is just doing something wrong. You know, God says to do it this way, we did it the other way. He says, boil eggs for three minutes, you boil them for four minutes, that's wrong. You're supposed to do it, God's right in everything he does. And so when we started entering this deception into this place of order, igniting this process that was working like this, abundance, 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 abundance. It just kept going generation after, it would have gone generation after generation after generation after generation. There would never have been a problem it would always have worked perfectly. Imagine what the earth would be like today if man was not here. Then we would have this process of mother nature, as it were, as the cycles of plants and trees and squirrels and all of these things would go around and around and around, and it would appear, if we showed up with a spaceship one day, it would appear as though everything was working perfectly. They would come into their perfect balance, everything would work fine until man got here. And then man would do this same process and because we have the choice to not do things the way, the, the right way, as it were, then we cr start creating the chaos that we now live with all around us. And so when we are doing it, because I just want, I'm sort of telling you this part first because I wanted to receive tonight's offering, but when you are releasing your offering. You are, there's an alignment, this process, even though I, don't, I, I, careful, I, I caution you not to just use Mark chapter four as an offering scripture, because it's the universal principle, it applies to everything. You wanna have children, you need seed. You wanna have money, you need seed. You wanna have a good friend, you wanna have friends, you gotta be friendly. Yeah, everything operates according to this principle. When we can buy into the real universal principle and say that is governing every area of my life, I'm no longer arguing with the seed time and harvest principle. It's not hard for me to gain mastery in my finances if I have already bought into the universal principle. I already realize it's everywhere I look. It governs every system that there is. 
When I see that, I don't go, well, I understand it works for tomatoes. I understand that's where grandchildren come from, but I don't think it comes in the money area. Do you understand? We have the disconnect there because we're thinking, yeah, I get it with tomatoes, but I don't get it with dollar bills. But you see, the system, because it's a universally applied system, it works literally everywhere. Once I buy into that, now my heart is aligned properly. Remember, the seeds that I sow are not just my deeds. So giving money in an offering is, is good, but that's not the whole equation. I can give money in the offering, and my thoughts could be that I don't want to. So I'm having stingy thoughts and generous deeds, and I'm not, and I'm not quite sure why it's messing up. But when you understand the universal principle, the key is, is that all of my seed, or let's say if I sow, like I did in my yard, I sow some grass seeds and I sow some creeping Charlie seeds, then I shouldn't be surprised to find out that I have some grass coming up, but I also have some creeping Charlie come up. Because every seed is going to produce after its own kind. So when I sow, if I'm emotionally in the wrong place, if I'm intellectually in the wrong place, even though my deeds are in the right place, I'm still creating a mixed bag of seeds that I'm sowing. Then what I'm getting is I'm going to get a mixed bag of harvest. Do you see that? So the key, that's why the New Testament is so important in the experience of mankind, not only today, but now forever, is, is that it is releasing to us the ability to actually believe the universal principle. Yeah. When I believe the universal principle, I don't have, even if this is your first day in coming to church, and, but you had come here believing the universal principle, then I talk to you about your offering, and you go, yeah, totally get it, buying right into it, and boom, all, my, all of my, my realities, spirit, soul, and body, are all lined up and in alignment with this principle, and giving in a generous way is just an automatic yes to me. It's an automatic system that that will begin to be produced as you act and think and feel in alignment with it, just give it time, be thanksgiving. We'll talk about that, Mark 11, 23 and 24. In the thanksgiving process, I'm just with patience knowing that my harvest is coming. So when you release now, even though you know, you've heard it before that it's very important to me that you align all of your pieces. Understand that's not just because I like it that way. Is as you align your spirit, soul, and body, what you're doing is you're aligning yourself with a process that is inevitable. We're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, that it's inevitable that it is going to produce in my life. The more you understand the inevitability of it, as you'll discover soon, that the inevitable factor is the faith factor. It's not till it becomes an inevitable reality to me that I really know that it's coming at me. And that is the key. The key to the whole faith process is that what you see in your mind is inevitable. It's not just a concept. So anyways, ushers, if you go ahead and serve the people as I continue, because I've only got a few minutes left and two pages to go. Okay, so as we're taking now, if you're in Mark chapter 4 and verse 21, now remember that I'm purposefully jumping around on Mark chapter 4. The gospel of the kingdom, as you know, you may know the gospel of the kingdom is this story of the seed of the sower sows the word. And so that concept is the word of God getting into the heart of a human being. The first thing that we should learn when we come to God is how to believe. Yeah. 
Because I'll tell you, this is what, this is, I'll go back to where I started today. A lot of people, when they come to the kingdom, they're seeking after God because I don't want to fail. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to run out. I don't want to do something. And because I, I recognize in my life that I am going to fail, that I'm going to be alone, that I'm going to get hurt, then I'm coming to God because I want to be able to seize control of this thing in my life that is apparently out of control. Do you see that? I'm coming, I think I'm gonna fail, so I need to go and serve God so that God will shine his light upon me or whatever, and then I won't fail. I come because I think I'm going to fail. Do you see that? Then I do all of these religious acts because I'm trying to, you know, sacrifice enough virgins in order for God to do something for me, only to find out that he betrays me. And I really needed God to do something for me. I really thought, for a little while anyways, that I had found the goose that laid the golden egg. I really thought I was now back in control of the world that was around me, which is the reason I came to God in the first place. And people told me, just serve God, be nice, and everything's going to work out for you. If you do that, then, then you've now gained control of your life. The only problem is it doesn't take a person very long to discover that God is not good to that concept. That even though somebody told you that's how you can gain control of your life, then you did it, and then you faced a crisis, and God apparently didn't show up. So in your mind, your perception, I did what I was supposed to do, and God didn't do what God was supposed to do. That is typically the crisis that people come to when they come closer to God, because that's not the system that God designed. And then when God betrays them, apparently, God betrays them, then now they want nothing to do with God. Do you see that? That happens to everybody. Because everybody that comes to God, depending on him with the wrong formula, you know, every time you buy your car, let's say you have a gasoline car, you need to put gasoline in it. A couple times you put water in it, even if your best friend tells you it runs better on water, then it doesn't run that way. When we go to God, God designed the system in a very particular way. <clears throat> even God is subject to that system. Yeah. That's what's important. <clears throat> when we come to him and do things in a way that are not aligned with God and his, and his creation, it just doesn't work. And people come into this terrible, and it's a, gut, it's, it's a heart-wrenching. I remember when I went through this, gosh, it was difficult. Gosh, it was difficult. Because I knew the Bible was true, but I couldn't get God to back it up. I, couldn't get, I didn't understand how it worked. I knew it was right, but I didn't know how it worked. And so I was going through these cycles, constant cycles of things, where the only thing that kept me in the game was the fact that I knew the Bible was true. Otherwise, I would have been long gone like everybody else. Or, you know, buy into some other concept, take control. This is what most people do, is that they, instead of using this system, because it doesn't seem that it works, is they seize control of the process. And they become workaholics. Or, as Pastor Tina was saying earlier today, uh, they just quit. 
And they say, well, it doesn't work. Life is chaos anyway, so what the heck? I might as well just engage in the chaos, whatever. I'll just live way down here at this very, very small level because I know that that, that very small level, at least everything is manageable. I won't dream anymore. I won't plan anymore. I won't try anymore. I just, you know, and so many people come to that spot. It's not because you should come there. It is simply because we need to seize control of this process. Okay, so... Uh, okay, so, and, um, okay, it's very important to notice that in this reality that the spiritual realm is the realm that governs the natural realm. This natural realm, although it feels like it's solid to us, this natural realm is simply a shadow of the spiritual realm. That's hard for us to understand because our reality here says all of this is very real. But the Bible tells us that these things that we observe are what's called temporal or, excuse me, constantly changing. We don't see them change. Remember I talked about it before that everything changes like grass grows or like your nails grow. You don't actually see them growing. It's all like you're in a different time sequence to these things, but everything is always changing. As it is changing, as it is in our eyes not changing, we don't think it changes. We don't think it's solid. And so we don't understand that the way this natural world works is it's just a shadow of the spiritual world. The only time things change in the natural is if they have first changed in the spiritual. For Christian, for non-Christian, for everybody. It's how it works for everybody. And so just like when I have, if you can see the shadow of my hand, and this is what we do, and this is the, such a big problem in our generation because we've bought into the concept that I can change, the pro- I can change things by changing the process, and you can't. So when I see that this, uh, the shadow of my hand, this is my real hand. Self-explanatory. The shadow is not my hand. What we do all throughout life and what our culture has taught us to do, if we don't like the shadow, what we experience in this natural world, the key is to change the shadow. If you run out of money, it's easy to solve. Our world is full of options. You can get a credit card, you get a loan, you can get a second job, you can go ask mommy, you can sell your whatever. You can do all kinds of things to fix a financial problem. And what we do is, is we go in and try to fix the shadow. But it should become apparent to everybody that no matter how much I try to change the shadow, I could get a sword and cut the shadow up. But guess what? The shadow is still the same as it was before. And this is why we waste our lives trying to change what is going on, trying to get rid of the chaos that is going on in our lives. We're trying to change the shadow. You just simply can't do that. Matter of fact, you may do it if you, you can watch people do it like fast. Like I can drop 20 pounds in probably a month. But then you know what? If I take my hands off the wheel, do you know what happens? Can I tell you what happens? I gain it all back. 
And then there's a really good reason why that happens. Some people, they do something really push, 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 push in order to get $1,000 in their bank account, in their savings account, and then they let go of the wheel and then they come back a month later and say, who took the $1,000? Because you can't fix the problem. You can stretch it a wee bit, but it's going to come back into, the, into alignment with the universal principle. And so we become, because we want to seize hold of the, sorry, we become, seize hold of the process, we become workaholics. Because we think we can change it, get another job, work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder, or work harder until we drop dead or end up in a hospital somewhere. And then we say, oh, you know what? I ought to change my ways a little bit. I'm 92. There's not time to change your ways. We've got to get away from thinking that we can seize hold of the shadow and change the shadow. As soon as we get this single concept, all of the scripture now from Genesis to maps is all going to start making sense to us. Because all the time God is trying to show us, just grab hold of the spiritual realm of things, what is causing the chaos. And what's causing the chaos is just that the wrong seeds are being sown. When I sow the right seeds, the same process that was producing the stuff I didn't want will now start producing the thing that I do want. Does that make some sense? All of this come together to say when Jesus was here, this is what Jesus was talking to us about. He wasn't starting a church. He wasn't starting a religion. He was trying to get humankind set free from the bondage of trying to work all their lives just simply to change the shadow which is what every human being from the beginning of time has been trying to do. They work themselves to the bone in order to get the things out of life that they want to get. Instead of realizing it just simply doesn't work that way. We have to do it a different way. And so let's take a look at what do we do? How do we get the process going for me? Is that how much time I have left or that's, it's 11.45, which one is it? Okay, so in order to stop the process, First of all, you cannot stop it in the natural realm. Trying to do so is futile and foolish. You just, as a Christian, just read the red letters and read them carefully and understand what Jesus was telling us and then stop trying, stop putting your effort into changing things in the, in the natural. It's like Jesus said, when you sow, in Galatians, Paul said, when you sow to the flesh, you reap from the flesh. When you sow to the spirit, you reap from the spirit. What he's talking about there is when we try to fix things in the natural realm, all we get is more of the natural. When we fix things in the spiritual realm, we get in our lives the blessing of those spiritual things. And that can apply to everything from soup to nuts in our lives. Just, we just have to stop doing it. This natural realm, just a shadow of the spiritual realm, what you believe, so which family you belong to, is the exact determinant of this natural world. What you, where you align yourself. Am I going to align myself with the ways of deception or am I going to align myself with the ways of truth? Simple. And remember what happens in this lack process down here. Whether it's lack of anything, right? It could be sickness, it could be money, it could be relationships, it could be whatever. Anything that is on the bottom of this line is slowly decreasing the vision of our lives. We have become very small. 
small in our thinking, small in our experience as human beings, simply because the, the possibilities of what we, what we see in our soul are so shrunken because of the revelations that we have, particularly the belief systems that we are small, that we are failures, that we are vulnerable, that we are weak. All of these things that aren't actually true. We're not unlovable. Even though we may think we are unlovable, we are not. And so we need to get those things out of our lives so that the vision, the purpose, the destiny of our lives can expand back up into the place that God designed it to be. If we don't do that, even though the world is ready to do whatever you want it to do for you, what you want it to do for you is just very small. Chaos is created by deception, fear, dread, and selfishness. When you take a look at that, all this lack stuff experiences, we experience life that way. Fear, dread, and selfishness. So whenever we sow fear, dread, or selfishness into our lives, which we can't help because these things are automatic things created by deception. As long as we allow deception, as long as I think the spider can hurt me, then I'm afraid of the spider. If I know God looks after me and I'm literally sitting in the very palm of his hand, then I'm not afraid of spiders anymore. Right. Not because I'm trying not to be afraid of spiders, it just, I know God protects me. Not kind of protects me, he really protects me. He would not design me with the desire to have a mate and then not design a mate for me. Who thinks I am the greatest thing since sliced bread? You may think I'm nuts. Somebody, her, thinks I'm not. You see, God, you, we just don't, we're just not afraid anymore when we realize the way God does things. We know the truth. Just like he made Jesus was the groom and he made the, us as the bride. Everything matches together in God's perfect way. God, uh, so when we inject those things, fear, dread, and selfishness into our world, then uh, we set this whole process in motion upside down. Every time I have a, I have to look after me thought, then we realize I'm messing with my future. When I think that, that I'm messing with my future, then I realize I'm much more careful with the things that I do. Even if I don't have a revelation that I shouldn't spit in your face, because I know, because I spit in your face, somebody's gonna spit in mine and twice, then I'm more careful, at least in the beginning. Better that we don't just do things because we're, we're disciplining ourselves, but it's a sure good place to start, especially when you understand this. So look in, um, uh, in Mark chapter four, if you're still there, let's go to verse 21. Now this is Jesus has just finished talking about the parable of the sower and now we're in verse 21, and it says this. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? Is there, for there is nothing that is hid that shall not be manifested, neither anything kept secret that is not come abroad or that does not become visible. So what Jesus is talking about here, regardless of what you've heard in the past, Jesus here is talking about this seed. Whatever it is that is sown in the beginning, this he's talking about here, the candle that is put under a bushel. You may put this seed under a bushel or this candle under a bushel, but this thing is going to come out and be visible. That's what he's talking about. And so we can gain then an understanding that nothing that we do 
everything we do that is good and kind and all of these loving things, everything that we do is eventually being sown in such a way that we will receive it back 30, 60, and 100-fold in our lives. When we gain that understanding and we begin to align ourselves with it, we start becoming agents of order first in our own lives and then into any of the environments that God brings us into. Because wherever we go, wherever our decisions become uh, valuable, when we are doing things knowing that we are sowing, we're starting to affect all the environments that we go into. So even though you may go into a chaotic environment, an environment that is full of fear, dread, and selfishness, just by you coming in there and starting to inf infect, if you will, or affect that environment, the environment is beginning to change. And it's beginning to change in a way that blessing is starting to move. At least the seeds of blessing are being sown so that the blessing, as it's first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, as it starts to grow and be produced, it starts to show up as long as, you know, faith and patience and all that. And so when we are going through it, we recognize Jesus is telling us that faith or the things of seed cannot be defeated. That's what's in here. Whatever is sown will be harvested. And so when we hear scriptures like faith overcomes the world, as we are moving forth in doing things in a faith way, we are recognizing that it is an inevitable reality that as we do the things that we do, those things are absolutely certain that they are going to come to pass. That certainty, even if it's just in the universal principle, I am certain that the universal principle is in operation in my life. I may not have a revelation of all the details, but I can start with an understanding that everything I do, I can take great courage and great discipline in the things that I do, knowing that those things are right, and because they are right, they are produced in my life in a way that produces blessing. And I learn that my life is completely back into my control, which is the place, I believe, of courage. It's the place of, uh, of faith, where I'm not going into my world afraid that something is going to come into my world that I'm not able to handle. I recognize that whatever that thing is, whatever situation of chaos you may encounter, whether right now it's in your life or it's the, in the lives of people that are around you or that you love or care about, you recognize that no matter what the problem is, no matter what the chaos is, you understand the solution to that chaos. We can fix this. That gives you great courage and great control, if you will, about the way your world is, is, is unfolding. When we have that, it changes our ability to have vision or it changes the enormity of the vision. Once you learn you can believe for anything, then your anything starts to increase. Imagine if I came to you and said, I'm going to buy you a Christmas present, I'm going to spend 100 bucks. Then your mind is going to start thinking about stuff that's worth 100 bucks. If, I, if you knew that I was Bill Gates and I had a bazillion dollars and I said, I'd like to buy you a Christmas present, I'll, buy you, I'll get you anything you like. What would happen, right? All of a sudden, your vision of what's possible would increase. 
A lot of people think that, you know, you can't get done my vision because my vision involves too many people. I, I don't have enough time. Well, when your vision increases and you realize that there's all kinds of people who would love to help you with your vision because you're so lovable and your vision is so awesome, then all of a sudden what happens? Your vision can increase. What is an inevitable? It's not just a wish. Oh, she would be nice. Everybody has sure would be nice visions. It's the ones that are absolutely certain because the limitations that were on my mind, because I thought the world worked in a different way, those limitations made me stay small, made my vision small. Once it gets blown out because of this principle, whatsoever a man sows, and whatever he sows bountifully, he will reap bountifully. Whatever you sow one of, you get 30, 60, and 100 of. All of these principles that the Bible's been talking about that we've all heard before, when we really buy into what that does, when we achieve that revelation, what it does is it changes our expectation of our future. It changes the nature of the God dream that is on the inside of us, which is the key, which is the reason that you're here, which is the reason that you're on this planet, is to fulfill that plan. So I'm gonna take, I'll take maybe two extra minutes, but I'm gonna go to Hebrews chapter four and verse 11. Here it just says, a, it's almost a nasty verse, but nothing is nasty. It says, labor to come into the rest. How do you deal with the fact that we've, that we've not necessarily understood this from when we were born, and there is a degree to which chaos is now rampant in our lives? How do you solve that problem? The Bible says that you labor to enter into the rest. Now, if you take a look at some of these terms in the scripture, you've got, you've got rest, you've got peace, you've got fear not, you've got be anxious for nothing, you've got let not your heart be troubled, you've got content, you've got calm, you've got still. You've got all of these concepts that the Bible is talking about, but they're so elusive to us when we are living in this place called chaos. That it seems like the very last thing that I can do is rest. The very last thing that I can do is not go to work today. The very last thing that I can do is not take my vitamins. All of those type of things. Although it's great to go to work and it's great to take your vitamins, when we feel like we are dependent on those things, not understanding the process, then those things become the thing that we fear. They're the thing that, we're, that are in control of our lives. And whatever we say is in control of our lives is the thing that we fear. And so we're, in, in, in a sense, what we have to do is we have to begin to change the way we think about those things. When we change the way we think about them, we automatically turn them from upside down to right way up. We just simply have to go with what God says, begin to think inside of our minds in such a way that the process starts to show us how the process works all by itself. So when God says, fear not, be anxious for nothing, do not be troubled, be still, have peace, all of these terms, he's talking about what do you do when the storms of life are coming at you like a train. And you know, many of them that you know are coming at you. What you have to do is you have to inject purposefully into that moment stillness or rest. You cannot change what you believe about a subject if you are consumed with the subject. 
You just can't do that. As long as you are experiencing, you are, you know, focused on lack in your life, and God says there's always more than enough, all that your brain is telling you is shut the heck up because I know that there's not enough. You've got to come away from the feeling of lack. You've got to learn the ability to separate yourself from the storm. That is this part called labor. I've got to learn that the chaos is not me. And the chaos doesn't have the ability to overpower me, even though it seems like it does. I've got to be able to come into this place of rest so that I can begin to work on the, 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 the thoughts and the imaginings of my, of my soul, my, your mind. I've got to start dealing with those things. As long as I let them go rampant, they're just reinforcing the reasons that I should be afraid. They're reinforcing why I should be selfish. They're reinforcing how absolutely I'm going to fail. I'm going to end up being alone. There's nobody that cares about me. My life sucks. As I focus on the chaos, I'm just reinforcing that concept on the inside of me. And I've got to stop doing that. I've got to disempower the emotional and intellectual power that chaos is trying to exert over me. If I don't do that, if I don't learn the mechanism for doing it, then it's not long before I just go back and my thoughts just say, okay, I'm just going to get more storms. Life is about storms. And eventually, you know, life is pain, then I die kind of thing, Nietzsche kind of stuff. It's not like that. The world isn't even like that. It's just that our perception is creating it like that. We can focus then. Uh, finally, let me say this as I'm going to try and wrap it around now. We're kind of going into a Christmas season, and so I'm not sure, quite sure how many times we have so many events coming up in the next couple of weeks that we're probably going to pick this back up and we start talking about the gospel of the kingdom when it comes, when we come back in January. But I'm hoping that what, we're, what I'm talking to you about here is getting you zeroed in, that I must begin to understand how to stop this process going on in my life. What do I do here, which is where all of us live, in the middle of the storm, this perception which isn't even true. This perception that the storms in life are going to defeat me. The more that fills my mind, the more that concept becomes a stronghold for you. And learning what to do very specifically at this moment here, once the emotions start to go up and the thoughts start to go up and the depression and the anger and all the jealousy and the covetousness and all these bad things all starts to come up, I have to know what to do with it so that I can then intersect this, go around to the beginning again and sow the right seeds. Because if I just keep giving the storm seeds back into my life, all I'm doing is going back into the storm. It's not... The pro this is where this is the bottom line. I wrote it right here. Uh, it's just a simple system. This is it. This is life on a whiteboard. If you grab on that Jesus was here to show us this is how life works, all we need to do is intersect no matter where God finds us, no matter how much chaos has been going on in our lives, 
All we need to do is know what to do at this moment. If we learn what to do at that moment, then from there, literally from the very day that I buy into this universal principle, I'm starting to change my future. It doesn't happen right away, which it did. I wish I could be here to tell you that, you know, Shazam, pray for you, change it by tomorrow. But, and then I'm saying it doesn't change. Some things change very quickly. The seed time and harvest principle on a dandelion is it wasn't there yesterday, it's there today. An apple tree, not so much. So there's different processes involved in different seeds. But if we could just start and realize this principle that Jesus is about to share with us, the good news of the kingdom is that we can go back and deal with these things and have the blessed, transformed life that God intended that we have. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm in. I know you'd not lie to me. I know for sure the red letters are true. I know this is how the world works. This is how my life works. This is how everybody's life works. All I need to do is seize control of the thoughts and the emotions and the actions that are going on in my life. Move them from fearful, dreadful, and selfish over to faith, hope, and love. As I do that, my future is changing. The lives of my children are changing. The lives of my grandchildren are changing. The lives of all the humans on the planet are starting to change. Because I know as God's kingdom hits my life, it begins to affect everything and everyone around me. That's the truth. And I'll live out of that truth, and, I'll live out of that truth. and the blessing that it creates. And the blessing that it creates for the rest, for the rest of, of my, my life. life. In Jesus' name. Can I just say this? Amen. This is where it's so important um, to have people around you who you allow to be honest, who we allow to be honest with us, because a lot of times we think we're thinking the right things and <laughs> doing the right things, but we're not but people around us can, who love us and care for us and who are not judging us can actually help us and say, you know, this is where you could really use a little boost or a little bit of help, or maybe you might want to change this or adjust this, right? Things that we don't see that other people who love us and care for us will help us to sow the right seeds. Amen. Amen.